Good evening, everybody, and uh, uh, welcome to Angkor Capital's Dialogues. This is our fourth edition here, uh, and we've got an exciting lineup and a great discussion to be had. Just want to give you a bit of context. So we're a venture capital fund, and we invest in early stage companies. But we have a focus on sort of looking at transformative technologies for the next billion. And uh, in view of that, one of the things that we've been doing is trying to have more conversations around different topics uh, that impact this area or where you know, transformations are taking place, changes are kind of happening, uh, to, look at, to get a bit deeper to see how those are happening over here, right? So today is our fourth edition on this, and uh, we're gonna be talking about technologies and local languages and sort of saying, you know, how do, how do we, how does this next billion actually interact? What are we seeing and what's kind of happening here? And today we have a, uh, I'm super excited to have uh, a whole bunch of panelists here. And I think they're at the front line uh, to give us the views of what they are seeing as how uh, these markets are changing and adopting and the challenges also that they see in these markets. So I don't think I have to, uh, you know, uh, tell anybody here that obviously there's a massive digital adoption that has happened in India. We're at 500 billion, headed towards 800 billion very shortly. Uh, we spend a lot of time on our mobile phones, consuming like about eight gigs a month or somewhere around there. So, you know, we're digitally savvy in some senses. But at the same time, I think that the language that has cut across a very diverse, fragmented, and you know, uh, a country like ours, where uh, everywhere people speak differently, culture is different, needs are different. One language that has cut across has been pictures and videos, images and videos, right? And there's no doubt about that. And hence, you're seeing these numbers, you're seeing this engagement, you're seeing this consumption kind of happen. Uh, and uh, you know, but, but but that's sort of the tip of the iceberg, right? If I take a look at it the other way. Uh, there's very little that's happening in other areas here, right? So cash transactions are still very, very high. Uh, just regular buying and selling online here is also super low for a country our size and super low in these markets specifically. So, uh, you know, today we're kind of here to sort of talk about, you know, what's what's changing, what can change, what will be the tipping point for a lot more of this economic activity. And we're gonna have lenses obviously from Anirul who's here from Google and sort of a much more broader lens, but we also have some deeper, um, uh, you know, sectorial views from a healthcare perspective or from a finance perspective. And also again, from a technology perspective of looking up behavior and enabling a lot of these engagements to happen on our phones and are in the phones of the next billion. So I'm super excited to sort of uh, have, uh, you know, Anirudh here, who's coming to us from Google. He's, a, he's part of the Google Assistant in the next billion users. Uh, we have Manoj, who is the founder of MyUpchar. Um, we have Kushagra, who's the founder of Chini. And Girish is coming to us from other Debella, the way looking at customer analytics and a lot of stuff happening in these markets. 
So uh, welcome, guys, and thanks a lot for joining uh, me on this panel. And I'm looking forward to your insights. I already got some of them the other day. So I'm looking forward to having a deeper discussion on this today. Uh, so I will kick off Anirudh with you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to request um, you know, uh, uh, to give a brief introduction about something that you do along with my question, right? So, so we just don't spend around sort of introducing and getting into this, right? So Anirudh, I think, uh, you know, we're talking about a very large number, right? A billion people, right? And, uh, you know, who are they? What are they? How, you know, putting everybody into one bucket and calling them the next billion. And this is, a, this is uh, you know, it, it seems to me a bit uh, precocious here, right? That there's got to be more subtleties to it. So I'd love to understand from your point of view, how, how do you guys, you know, define these next people? How do you guys think about them? Is there a finer lens here? Or is everybody just bucketed into one bucket? So we'd love to have sort of hear your views on that. Thanks, Ritu. Uh, really excited to be here. Uh, I'm Anirudh. I'm a product manager on the Google Assistant team for Next Billion users. And our team basically works on uh, building a voice-first experience for Next Billion users that helps them in their daily critical user journeys centered around information, media, local services, and other use cases that they have on their minds. Uh, I'll actually start with, uh, you know, your question, uh, you know, on the segmentation. I think it's super important to kind of like understand the broad swath of users who are basically online already in India. So this number of about 500 million internet users uh, has a lot of layers in it. In fact, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, we, we typically say is that India is a country with the complexity of 20 countries baked into one country. Uh, so at Google, we basically have multiple approaches to do customer segmentation and user segmentation. The first lens that we take is a broad market-oriented lens, uh, which is useful to basically figure out like, uh, you know, broad headroom opportunities and also, uh, you know, to channelize some of our user research where we use a socioeconomic classification, you know, by NCCS, uh, you know, which divides basically India into multiple categories of classification. Uh, so we define basically India into three different cohorts. Uh, this is the typical definition of India 1, India 2, and India 3. Uh, and India 1 basically is about, uh, you know, between 170 to 200 million internet users today uh, with uh, a monthly household income which, which is above $550 a month. Uh, and typically, uh, this base already has about, you know, 70 to 80% internet penetration. And if you look at the kind of devices that these users are using, they are basically sitting with medium to high-end smartphone devices. Uh, their typical language of consumption has a very heavy mix of, uh, of English, uh, but they also have like multilingual preferences with one or two other native languages, depending on the regions that they come from. If you look at India too, it's another 200 million internet users who are already knocking on our doors today. Uh, and this is basically, uh, you know, people between uh, the monthly household income of $90 to 550. Uh, we have about a 40% internet penetration here. So long headroom, like compared to India one, but, but basically the language choices completely flip. Uh, and you pretty much have really no penetration of formal English. Like you have some broken English, but a large part of it is like truly vernacular in the, in the real sense. Uh, the, uh, the, the smartphones that these users use are mostly low to medium end smartphones. 
but it's still a smartphone which is capable of installing apps and doing all the things that we are used to. So, uh, so that's great. And then you have India 3, which is, which is today, uh, you know, close to about 100 million users. Uh, and, and this is basically people between 50 to $90 of monthly household income. Uh, and the, the striking fact here is that a large percentage of these users actually don't use smartphones. In fact, they use this device called the Geophone, which is a $20 smart feature phone device, but with full bleed LTE connection uh, and, and an app store like which they can install apps on and kind of like do stuff with. And we have about a 25% internet penetration here. So, so, the, so when we think about uh, you know, the next billion users at Google, we tend to look at India 2 and India 3 uh, because the India 1 user behavior is very much like the first billion users uh, you know, in markets uh, like the US, Europe, and some of the other advanced Asian markets. Uh, and so that's one kind of classification that we look at. And, and then we have a couple of other ways of classifying users which are more centered around the different products Google has. Uh, so I can tell you a little bit about like how we look at it, you know, from a Google assistant point of view. Uh, so we have basically two colors here. The first is what we call as like cold start segmentation, because we really believe that, you know, optimizing the experience of the user on their first day and the first week pretty much determines like how these users will end up engaging with your product going down the line. So we have a bunch of ways to basically segment users without knowing what features and uh, you know, use cases they will do on your product. But things around like the device model, you know, things around the you know, language settings on their device like, uh, and, and stuff like that, where even without any usage on the product, they're able to draw out a segmentation and give them the right experience. And then we have, once they basically engage with the product, we have more granular kind of like understanding of user segments uh, you know, centered around, like in the case of assistant, their, their language of query, their grammar patterns of the way they're querying in, uh, what use cases and verticals they are doing, like are they into news, into media, into content and, and stuff like that. And we basically use a combination of these uh, to basically figure out like, is our product working or not? But pretty much like the, the broader, uh, you know, socioeconomic classification helps us figure out like how our products are penetrating into each of these segments and are they really hitting uh, the sweet spot because we do a lot of user research centered around this classification to find uh, the fit. So I think I think that's that's, that's right. one way in which we basically do it. So primarily socioeconomic with some indicators from uh, kind of the kind of apps etc that are being used here, right? Is what I'd say. Bushagra, I know you have a different view, so I want to pull that in, right? So socioeconomic is one way to sort of say, okay, look, wh where are how do we divide these things? But uh, would love to sort of get your view. And don't forget to give us an introduction. Sure. Thanks, Ritu. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm Kushagra Iranjini, uh, and we help businesses to make their product Bharat-friendly. Uh, so, to speak. Uh, I, so, when it comes to segmentation, uh, so, we, uh, firstly, we take a look uh, from the perspective that what we're trying to achieve here, what's the, why are we doing the segmentation? And the, that, that purpose is digital adoption, right? Uh, and hence, we segment on uh, that basis. That's the basis of uh, our segmentation. That where exactly do they lie on the digital adoption curve? Uh, and uh, why do they lie there, right? Uh, so when it comes to digital adoption, there are two components uh, to it. One is purely capability. And uh, second, which is related to it, is uh, confidence and comfort, right? That comes with capability, right? So, so that's a psychological aspect of it. Uh, 
and essentially when we segment we segment purely based on uh, capabilities where what how, how much capable a user is to do what uh, they right i'll give you a few instances for example let's say take someone like my dad for example right and he is uh, probably you know if from socio economic perspective he is in india one he as he stays in delhi now uh, he stays in delhi he has very high purchasing capacity uh, his friend circle has very high purchasing capacity right but when it comes to digital usage uh, he has very high net smartphone i only gifted him uh, and then uh, he has high speed internet connection but uh, all he does is use whatsapp and facebook that's the end of his digital journey right uh, so we we think that we should slightly go beyond uh, our current definitions which is purely based on socio economic uh, classification uh, and similarly you would find people in you know socio economic for example tier 2 cities who like not uh, earning that much but then still they they have medium uh, 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 class uh, smartphone and then they are pretty savvy and they are doing stuff online right uh, so we think it's primarily that behavioral uh, you know that segmentation that we should be looking at here uh, and uh, essentially uh, when we say digital adoption uh, so what's that goal like right so how do we what's the starting point what's the end point so we try to juxtapose it in a in a you know in a way where we can understand very easily for example let's take me versus my mom uh what's the digital uh, uh, usage when it comes to let's say i want to go somewhere um, and i would by my default option is uh, going to uber and booking uber right but her default option is going down hailing a rickshaw or hailing a, a auto right when i have to watch something my default option is going to let's say netflix or or, or amazon prime or any such service uh, but her just open the tv open the cinema and watch the movie right so the preference of her, in, in her lifestyle is heavily non digital right and uh, i feel that there are reasons for that and uh, socio economic uh, is of course may not be that the only reason which uh, which segments this user base right um, we have found few indicators actually so one of the indicators that we found which is very strong correlation had was the medium of education of course like these are something that you you don't won't immediately get in data points when people are using the applications but uh, from from the you know, segmentation perspective we have found that medium of education plays a very significant role in how comfortable they are uh, not primarily because they are not com- Com- comfortable in english it's because the ecosystem around them was not conducive enough for them to adopt uh, digital uh, platforms digital services uh, like we had right it's it's more more likely uh, for a english medium educated college going kid to use snapchat uh, than a, a hindi medium college going student right so um, there is that thing so uh, we think that uh, if we we'll take a look from that perspective understand uh, what would it take to enable someone like my mom who has you know, non digital preference of her lifestyle to move to a digital thing right and so there is a gap right we currently try to fill that gap as you know, as as a son i try to fill that gap with my mom by hand holding her through a digital experience right and building confidence in her uh, you know standing by her side when she is doing something so that she doesn't uh, feel that something might go wrong and stuff right and th- that sort of uh, you know hand holding is we feel that is required for people to transition that curve and become digitally confident start doing uh, online transactions so you're saying it's behavioral and i think you're right right at some level there are a lot of people at lower socio economic whatever india 2 or india 3 want to call it who are super savvy on what 
they do what sort of on their phones just another point uh, yeah. just about the internet penetration we have seen that internet penetration directly doesn't translate automatically into transactions right or, or heavy duty things yeah we'll come back to that because I, i want to come back to that part actually because i think i want a lot more of a deeper conversation on I mean, we have the penetration. Where is the transaction? Where is the next level of stuff here, right? Manoj, I'm going to switch to you, right? And I think both you and Girish sort of bring like a solution that you're targeting here, right? And, uh, you know, uh, your perspectives on who is the next billion, how you think about it, you know, how do you segment, how do you talk, uh, you know, what is your target? Sure. Uh, thanks, Sutu. Very, very happy to be on this panel. Uh, you know exactly the kind of stuff that we've been building for. So very very happy to share whatever we've learned so far, uh, with the hope that there are many others who build for this population. Uh, so I co-founded Myopchar with Rajat, uh, my co-founder, three and a half years back. Uh, we started with a very simple insight that access to medical information and medical services overlaps, or like the lack of access to these. Uh, this information services overlaps really strongly with language lines along India. So, you know, of the multiple ways that India is unfortunately divided, language is also one of them. And so the, uh, the overlap that we came up with our analysis was extremely strong. So what we set out to build, you know, the way we think about healthcare is first, there has to be awareness, then you provide access, you have to make it affordable, and then only do you get adoption or uh, or advocacy from the same user, right? So um, given, you know, where things were, we thought we have to start at ground zero and we start with awareness and we started building a lot of medical content in Indian languages. And this is extremely high quality content just because it's in Hindi, I don't want anyone to think that the, the content quality is substandard. If anything, we do higher quality content than anything available in English by an Indian, by an Indian health tech or healthcare organization. So just to give you a sense, some of our 3D animations that we do to explain what the human body is, that was uh, recently highlighted at an Autodesk uh, national event. Right? That's, the, that's the extreme high quality of content that we do. So that also tells you a little bit about what who this audience is. Just because they're Hindi or just because they're vernacular doesn't mean they don't have the same sort of um, demand for quality. Yes, we see TikTok taking off and, you know, rubbish kind of content also being watched, but there is huge demand for extremely high quality content. So when we, uh, and then uh, from there on, you know, we started getting a lot of, so we reach about 100 to 150 million people through this content every month, that is. Um, and then, you know, healthcare is a very personal thing. So once people start coming onto our platform, they started asking us if we could connect them with the doctors who were in those videos, who wrote those articles. And we started enabling telemedicine, uh, teleconsultations. So today we get anywhere from uh, two and a half to three lakh teleconsultation requests every month. And we do these free of cost on our platform, we pay for it. And <clears throat> typically uh, the medicines also aren't available uh, locally, uh, the kind of medicines that our doctors write so we also fulfill that so we supply the medicines uh, as far as we can so now we built the capability to ship anywhere in india but it took a bit of time to do that 
But one of the segmentation, I'm going to just interrupt back on the segmentation. So it's purely along language lines here. Sure. So the reason I sort of took a little bit more time there was because we found that actually the segmentation went for us, the way we segment is along those lines. So first there's going to be a pure internet access user. So we, we segment by usage. What are you using the technology for? So these are guys who will just interact with our content, consume it, maybe ask a question like share, whatever, and then disappear. Then there are uh, product users. So people started ordering medicines. So they're very, very happy to pay for medicines. And that's also how we monetize. And then the third level that we, uh, that in our mind of the Holy Grail is ones who will pay for services. So in our experience, um, Bharat users are not very willing to pay for telemedicine. That's, you know, for all the noise around telemedicine. Yes, <clears throat> you and I are very willing to pay for medicines, but this population, in our experience, hasn't yet graduated there. And it's not even funny how big the difference is. Um, so we segment by usage. People will come, consume content, consume information, disappear. So your YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, share chat, WhatsApp, disappear. Then those who will actually make a purchase, and this is largely need-based, this is not discretionary spent usually. And then lastly, the ones who will graduate to actually paying for just services. So that's how we segment. And over time, people are moving to the our user set. People are moving to using this pay for the services, but that takes a little bit longer and we have to be patient, at least in our view. Okay, all right. Kirish, I'm going to guess what you're going to say. Okay, and we'll see if I'm right or wrong. I assume you're going to say socioeconomic is what your segmentation is here. Well, um, hi Ritu. Um, um, right out of the bat, uh, thanks for inviting me for, you know, being a part of this panel and a big hello to everyone, you know, listening to us. Uh, thanks for logging in uh, later in the evening. Um, I, you know, like to uh, give a, give a, give a larger perspective, let me say, say a 10,000, you know, feet view perspective of how we look at segmentation. Um, but to begin with, when people ask me, you know, um, what do I do when I say I had customer analytics and other like capital and they say, so what does that mean? I say, look, you guys know financial services is all about KYC. So I'm into KYC and then that kind of shakes people up and they say, what do you mean? I said, yeah, that's exactly it. Know my customer. I have to know your customer. Right. So that's what my team is into. Um, so what do, how do we look at when we say know your customer, what are the, you know, uh, 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 guard guardrails, or how do we look at segmentation? So let me let me put it out in the form of a framework. So uh, look at the customer at the center, and the customer is then segmented by all the means by which you know the other uh, panelists have mentioned uh, by by income, by uh, SEC, by socioeconomic uh, classifications, by behavioral classifications, uh, and so on. So uh, that's that's at the center, but we also you know. Uh, have uh, 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 peripheral entities which have a big play when we're looking at uh, customer segmentation. The first being product, the second being geography, and the third being the channel of engagement or the method of engagement. So when we bring all four and you know aspects together, that's when we get the real game you know uh, in place. Because when we start, and there's a great point that you know Anirudh raised, which where he said that you know it's not one size fits all when you actually start cutting you know the customer segment by sec we start seeing that you know it's not necessarily even sec will give you cuts and then if you cut it by geography we realize 
segments, I mean, uh, a basis like the next billion, which in the financial services, we always say is the, you know, the base that we as an industry have, have not penetrated enough. And it's above the base, which we don't want to penetrate. So they're just in that sweet spot, you know, of, of, um, of, of uh, from a target, from a TG point of view. And uh, this is the base that is uh, why, I mean, what are the needs? And that's where the product comes into play. You know, other needs of the, of the semi-urban or the urban next billionite, the same as the needs of the rural next billionite. Okay, so that's the product part of it and the geography part of it, right? So if you cut the customer segment, you take the same age, the same, uh, you know, uh, aspects in terms of digital penetration, but then you go by uh, a geography between rural, semi-urban and so on, you find that the needs and that again reflects back at the product are different. Um, uh, in, in, in when you look at this, the same base from us from a urban semi-urban perspective, for example, you will have a, a higher penetration of the salaried class as against to pe as against people who are uh, in, involved in businesses uh, and getting a uh, you know not a, a, an irregular income uh, cycle. What are their needs? Their needs, for example, if you just take a product like loans, is different. They are not comfortable with things like EMIs. Whereas the salary class is comfortable with EMI. So all these things come into play when we start looking at cross hatching, uh, you know, the customer segments with product, with geography. And then the last aspect, which is the most important and which parts and forms part of the uh, webinar itself, which is how do we engage with that segment? When we, when we pass it through these three lenses, that customer then has to be spoken to or engaged with in a manner which makes most sense for us from a business point of view, I mean, at the end of the day, we're in the business of, of, of business and what, when we, when we deploy our, our strategy, it has to give us returns against the strategy. So when we pass it through this lens, which strategy is going to, in terms of customer engagement is going to give us the best bang for buck is where the last part of it comes in, where, when we talk of, and we will discuss this subsequently in the webinar is when we talk of things like vernacular. Uh, you know, vernacularization of our of our engagement. Why does it make business sense? Is you know the 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 fourth and the most important angle that we look at. So that's Ritu broadly the way we look at our segmentation. You did prove me wrong. Geography is what you added. So I have four different segmentations from all of you, from language to behavior to geography to socioeconomic, right? And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn back to you guys and say, tell me about a challenge of engaging in whatever segment that you pick, right? Whichever one of those guys thinks that is top of mind or the biggest priority for you. You know, what is the kind of challenges that you face in actually scaling this much further, your product or your solution here? And would love to, for the audience sake, to get some kind of live examples of, you know, things that have like, you know, been blockers here, right? So we just sort of get a more visual picture of what these things could possibly be. And Grish, I'll just go backwards from you. So. Any, any, from, from your experiences here, what's the challenge for the particular segment here? Uh, uh, Ritu, if you look at, um, I'll, I'll give you an, uh, from an example's point of view, I can you know, give you an example that just came in as, as recent as yesterday. Um, we were working on, you know, uh, on, on uh, looking to create a, um, a I, would, I, I don't like the term voice bot because it, it, it smacks of the term bot and robotic. And uh, that's not what, you know, we want to uh, do, but look at it as a, you know, an AI powered relationship manager. Now, if I have to 
build that capability. Uh, it's it's some some stuff that we are working on. And when we ran the entire, uh, when we started training the model, the data scientists came back and said, you know what, when you're when you're going through your, you know, through the through the voice recordings, the call recordings, because they're working a lot on the voice uh, aspect, and uh, they came back and said, look, English not a problem, Hindi not a problem. We haven't designed for English, and you know. Uh, uh, that that it's 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 one of those you know instances which comes which which you know when, when you think about it and when you think you can go all around the world, you can work in a Europe, you can work in in the U.S., you can work anywhere else in the world, and then you come back to our country, and then you have this weird you know uh, uh, amalgamation of two languages that you have to deal with, which no one else has to. And um, uh, when we look at the typically the the semi-urban and even in fact for that matter the uh, the the lesser you know uh, uh, segments of of the urban bracket also we find you know English becoming the uh, you know the language of choice and how do you design technology around English in from a comprehension point of view from a delivery point of view uh, you know that for example came up as as one of the one of the challenges that we have to deal with and if that's a challenge uh, the next uh, and why do we why 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 does it matter. The question always comes back to us because at the end of the day, I'm an, I'm, I'm an analytics entity within a business and I have to give a, you know, a credible rationale as to why it should matter. It matters and why, why English, why does vernacular matter is because at the end of the day, it's not about just giving basic comprehension. It's not a question of just saying, okay, you can't understand English and let's just translate it into your, you know, your native tongue or to the language which uh, you understand. At the end of the day, it boils down to getting a deeper connect with the person you are engaging with. It's so, and and it happens even with us. You know, we have been been instructed in English, but the minute you hear someone, even when you're walking, you know, around in, in a different country, and you hear someone around at the round of the corner speaking Hindi, there's an immediate connect. Hey, one of our guys, right? So that's the connect that you know that we are looking for. And what happens because of that connect? I mean, study after study, experiment after experiment, and business uh, findings or the business findings tell us that when we get that deeper connect, it translates into better trust, better comfort. That in turn translates into you know a better propensity for engagement and stickiness, which directly translates into business. At the end of the day, it has to translate into business. Otherwise, no one in the organization is going to listen to us. Uh, you know, coming up with 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 uh, you know such sharper artificial intelligence and so on. So that's you know, uh, to give you a perspective, the kind of uh, uh, challenges that we have to face, and that's the brilliant part of it. So, Girish, I'm going to push you a little bit. So, the challenge that you're talking about here is that the technology that you have today can't quite handle the English. If the so, data of the English is not available to have the chatbot be proficient at a level that makes sense, yeah. In fact, it, the, 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 the beauty of it is it can. It's just that we have to provision for these things. You know, when we think, we only think of the top eight languages. Right. Okay, you know, you're saying we're drawing buckets with English, Hindi, Kannada, whatever. But that's actually, right. there's a spectrum of mixing that's kind of happening here. And we have to yes. solve for that spectrum to connect. We have to solve for that spectrum. As opposed to saying, let's draw a hard line. But are similar experiences or how would, you, how would you say that that works out for you? What's the challenge here? I was about to jump in anyway. Thank you for redirecting. So, uh, you know, our experience has been that uh, very similar to what Girish said. Uh, it's actually not 
so I'll give you an example. So we have a little bot that collects patient history on our website. And sometimes uh, somebody will type Mujhe Bukhar hai. They'll spell B-U-K-H-A-R. Somebody will write Mujhe Bukhar hai. B-O-O-K-R. Somebody will say Mujhe B-U-K-R hai. Somebody will say Mujhe Taap hai. Somebody will say uh, Mujhe, they'll type in Hindi. Some will type in incorrect Hindi. Then somebody will say Fever ho hai. Fever they will not spell correctly. So, you know, the NLP in English is fine, but NLP kind of just, you know, says, I'm done with this shit. And then <laughs> and, and the behavior interesting varies across languages. So in Marathi, you don't see a lot of um, what would you, metalish coming in. <laughs> but in uh, Tamil and Hindi, you see a lot of Tamilish in English. Right? So it varies quite a lot across languages also. So it's not a one solution fits all at all. And it's, we, we've struggled with, you know, we wanted to build an AI doctor on day one, but you know, like, uh, this is a, this is a pretty yeah. darn hard challenge. Over there. Yeah, exactly. Let's just first connect people to a human doctor. <laughs> and then we'll come to the AI doctor here. Anirudh Kushagras, Anirudh, maybe I'll start with you. What's the challenge? You know, I mean, these guys have spoken about the sort of the consumer connection problem. Yeah, right. How, what's the challenge on the tech side for something like this? Uh, what's the challenge you face in the segment? Let's start there. And Yeah, so, so I think like I would start by saying that uh, I think, I think the, the problems are pretty common. Uh, like uh, if you really think about it, like... Uh, Pretty much like in the last three to four years, what has happened is like we've had this massive steep growth, you know, close to 300 million users being added. But if you look at the web and app ecosystem that basically exists out there, it, it, it was just not built for these users, right? So most of the products were basically built for the top end of India one or like first million users. And now you have all of these users who are basically getting served, uh, you know, these existing products that don't deal with the mental models that these users are comfortable with. And what you see in what, you know, Girish and Manoj are trying to describe are basically offshoots of that problem, right? So, so I think I'll give, like, I'll try to, try to illustrate that with like very simple examples of things that we have learned, right? And sometimes the solution is like hard ML tech and sometimes it is like super simple things that you could be doing. So for example, like we built this assistant uh, in, in GeoPhone where you can basically press a hardware button, do a query and get answer to anything that you want in the language that you're speaking. And uh, not a lot of Google products have an experience where you don't sign into the experience in the first run experience to use the product. And what we realized is that by just removing account creation as a step, which is such an India one metaphor, you were basically able to totally, uh, you know, create a user blitzkrieg because you basically created a step that they really did not understand. It was not adding too much value. And you basically got a lot of adoption and engagement as a result of that. So that's just like one example of a kind of metaphor that we take for granted, uh, you know, for the first million users, India one users that doesn't translate really well, uh, for example. Uh, similar things like around, uh, you know, this, uh, this thing around language. I think language is very multidimensional. I'll, I'll give uh, an example that came out in Google's uh, user research, right? So a lot of India users, even if you take India 2 and India 3 users, they want to maintain their phones uh, with their device language as English. Uh, part of it is because of utility and part of it is because of aspirational reasons and uh, you know, other social reasons, right? 
but but when they want to basically choose language especially from an audio perspective and a video perspective and and sometimes even from a textual perspective uh, they would want the capability to decouple uh, the content language from their devices language and this is such a simple insight and it took us like just as google like it took us a lot of time to basically figure this out because we had this prevailing mental model that hey android basically built this amazing language settings uh, that people can basically choose like hundreds of languages uh, and and we should just honor it like it was part of the device setup why would you not honor it in all google products and what we realized a very simple thing of being able to decouple language from the phone's language basically led to a massive uh, upshift in uh, usage another very small example where you really don't need like hard tech to basically solve it the third i think uh, is around the fact that whenever you have an active intent product uh, so I've, i'm basically discounting a lot of products like you know tiktok share chat etc which are basically built around a lot of passive consumption where the mechanics are slightly different but if you have an active intent product that is need based where there is some funnel that you have to go through and which has the need for user giving an input i think that is where a lot of the india one metaphors again don't translate really well so very simple examples around like filling a simple form right which might be the case like uh, you know with with healthcare with uh, you know with fintech products and like lot of other products like we realized that basically making the forms uh, voice enabled and also tappable in terms of input so you don't need to just solve it with voice but like if you had a way of doing smart defaults that totally changes drop offs at that point in time as opposed to basically solving like completely changing the product so you can do these very simple things uh, you know that give a lot of leverage and i think the last point uh, you know i would i would want to add is that in general overall like if you look at the design of the products the biggest challenge most products face even google faces this is that we we work on top of localizing the different features uh, you know that basically work for india one and fpu and that essentially means that you are put at a disadvantage in general to basically really finding product market fit with india 2 and 3 right in most cases you can't wipe the slate clean and and say that you know i can completely create a voice video vernacular product that is very different from what it looks like uh, you know for my mainstream product and maintain both products with all sorts of complexities and there i think what we have realized is that uh, a step approach works where you have your mainstream product but you have modalities in your product that allow for easy switchability into a simpler uh, mode without changing the core essence of the product and those are some of the things that have worked really well for us i think Kushagra and team have also talked about like uh, you know adding assistance as a layer uh, you know on top of like existing flows. I can you can you can you can actually move a lot of the adoption just by that uh, as opposed to like solving the whole hog problem. So I think uh, my view here is that uh, the big shifts will happen. I mean Google itself is working on code mixing in language, uh, and it's a very hard technology problem because uh, as you can imagine like. uh solving it for a vertical is hard enough but for 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 google we have to solve it for every possible utterance uh and any kinds of mixing for any language whether two or whether three so that's a very hard tech problem and it'll take its time to basically get the word error rates down so that it basically leads to like human like recognition uh but but i think like there are a lot of things that we can do in between as well that can solve the pain points with like just smart solutions uh, that that really move it Nirad, let me know if you want to beta test any of these. <laughs> no, absolutely. Send send it down. <laughs>
Kushagra, I think this leads into you very well, right? From sort of saying, you know, there is a lot of mainstream stuff or, or what we consider mainstream, let me be clear, right? That has already been developed, right? Which could have potential, you know, what are the challenges that you face in taking some of these and converting it into a more usable situation where it has relevance, but the user is still reluctant? So uh, actually, Anirudh very nicely put it that uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, it doesn't really take uh, you know, a really hard tech to solve these problems. Uh, small things make that difference. Uh, and the reason, especially here is because it's actually not primarily a tech problem. It's, it's a primarily a human problem that we need to solve here, right? And uh, the value of solutions would be maximized only if the solutions are mapped directly to the real needs of the people, rather than you know, looking at how, what more uh, better AI I can make uh, to solve this, right? Uh, and which is something that we deeply focus on. So let's say when it comes to a business, let's say digital business, there are two aspects, right? One aspect is, okay, in terms of demand, how well do we know our customers, right? And that's, the, this business needs might change from customer segment to customer segment, right? So, and we as a company, we're not, not taking care of that, right? We are solving one very particular problem here. That is the second part, which is, uh, okay, if you have solved for the business needs, uh, what is the other barrier that is there to enable digital business? And that is digital enablement, right? How do you enable digital, taking out the business component out of that, how do you enable digital for them, right? And when we're talking about vernacular here, right? Uh, what we are essentially saying is that language is that one primary problem and language solving is going to be that one primary solution, right? I feel that's limiting the problem, the scope of the problem uh, to the significant bit. Because when we are saying that language is the primary problem, but essentially we are saying that textual comprehension is the only problem, right? But textual comprehension is not the only problem. Even if you make the same interface in Hindi, right? People are not gonna go and uh, use a ICICI bank mobile application, right? They're, they're, and just simply can't do that, right? So text, so on the screen, it's not a text document that you see. You actually see a graphical user interface, right? How do you solve for that graphical user interface? I'll give you some examples that some challenges that we face. We do, we keep doing a lot of deep user studies. Uh, so a, a user just comes onto the uh, application and he was trying to book a, a train ticket and, and he goes to the go application. And uh, the header is a bar, uh, an app bar in a red colored background and there's written uh, book train ticket there, right? That's the header. Uh, and then there are a lot of interactions that are needed to be done later uh, in, below that header. The user just reads that book train ticket. He can understand that, uh, that much English he, under, he knows book train ticket I know. And he would just keep pressing on that, right, on the header, right? How would he know that's not a clickable button and it's a title? How do we take it so granted that, okay, we know that this is a title. I don't know why some other people are not able to understand that. Because when we design, it's, we are designing for a specific user base, keeping in mind that these people understand these basic things. We don't assume that people might not know scrolling, right? And that's a real problem. People might not know what's the scrolling gesture like. How do you scroll? People who have not used a multi-touch smartphone before, they wouldn't know how to do that, right? Uh, and hence, we boil down deeper 
language definitely textual comprehension is one of the problems but there are other problems uh, when it comes to a graphical user interface right what do different things in a graphical user interface mean what is the drop down what is the hamburger menu what when i click here what would happen after that for example when you're using a let's say a train ticket application ict for example right you know that the first step that you need to do is to click on the uh, from station and then a list would come you can anticipate that also and then you know ki when i click there i will be taken back to the same page right you know all of that then you know that the third step is to click on the from uh, to station and then the date and the calendar and then the search right you know all of this you know firstly know the sequence you can anticipate the output right uh, and all of that you just know because you have used it before if you look at the screen just like that if i give the same screen to my mom she is like okay i see a lot of things what do i do here ab karun kya main right this is the typical reaction that you get from a lot of users right uh, and i am talking about that user base how do you enable someone like that and you know, accelerate the digital adoption and hence we need to solve for uh, problems which are related to graphical user interface how do you solve for that right and that how do we solve that currently how do, how do i sit next to my mom and solve that currently for her we need a humanized hand holding experience like some sort of an assistance so that they feel comfortable enough to uh, and confident enough to start using those things and then they and, and this uh, this uh, graphical user interface can be demystified that population right? so that's so i think uh, what you're saying is that from a consumer uh, whatever the barriers are from the consumer perhaps we haven't spent enough time and we've just said a translates to b right and things are sort of going to happen and we haven't really spent so much time here, here on it right so i i want to now get to you know how are we going to succeed in this on scale right like what is it in your viewpoint right is there a success story that you have seen that you know doesn't have to be high tech could be fairly simple as you said like anirudh that look we just press a you know we bypass signing on right we, why do we need to do that right so what you know how do we think that we will get to a tipping point for a, a lot of adoption to happen and manoj i'll start with you right i mean healthcare is a crying crisis in this country today and it's always been probably but uh, how how i mean how are we going to get everybody on here actually using it right um and i mean people pay for things offline uh, it's not that they don't right it's an essential service we're not talking about buying some fancy thing which you know you don't use and you have to then you know aspire to get there yeah so um honestly my opinion there is a huge problem with product design i think kushagra is like spot on like i Uh, I'll answer your question, but I'll just like add a little bit from our experience. So when we created our uh, e-commerce, we, you know, we all come from the first world. We used Amazon. In fact, my co-founder was one of the early employees at Amazon. So we thought we know e-commerce, right? Uh, and we created our Hindi thing, and we converted cart to Hindi wala cart, and like cart meant done. But then you realize, man, like cart is a first world concept. Like there is a shopping cart that you use when you go to. a super supermarket there i mean you know yes sure you have all those uh, supermarkets coming up now but less than you know 0.1% of india's population has like, ever even seen one right? so they don't understand what's the meaning of a cart right so uh, then we realize that hum sab bag mein dal ke shopping karte hain yahan pe so we change it to bag mein dal right and we started seeing a much higher uh, at least add to cart or add to bag event happening right simple things like those so it's not just about changing language 
it's about completely thinking about the user from scratch and you build for them and intuitive ui and ux like kushakra said is vitally important you just can't change the language and be done with it you're like you're not going to succeed with that now in terms of adoption you know i honestly believe that yes while there are some problems like the product some of it will also happen it there's a natural cycle to it you know when i came back from the us in 2011ish i asked my dad my dad's diabetic uh, i asked him why doesn't he purchase online he can get a 20% discount on his medicines and he said uh, i don't trust these online wallas for something as important as medicine uh, i wasn't an online wala myself at that time i was still working in public health um so i didn't mind that comment so much but um now today he chases after me uh yaar ye order karna hai please kar de zara of course he won't do it himself it's assisted commerce like kushal <laughs> don't say right so the same thing happened in china it's not like you know something magical happened and everybody started shopping online there was a natural cycle they went through and really the thing to do is to be present uh, at the right time with the right services you have to have a very deep understanding of what the actual problem is technology is just an enablement here yes for bharat user some guys will end up building some great uh, voice enabled ui and voice solutions and all of that that will happen there is work happening but as far as like adoption and actual transactions which is ultimately what will make all of this work it will take a little bit of time it could be 3 years from today it could be then i believe covid has actually leapfrogged us uh, a few years definitely 5 if not 10 of that evolution cycle so we saw uh, transactions increasing on our platform quite rapidly uh, in fact overnight they increased so it's not like you know even with our shitty ui like people don't actually manage to figure it out yes there is pain sometimes they'll call us so we also have a call center where people can call so you know somebody's started transacting but they dropped off so we provide uh, call support as well which is actually something that we found it makes a lot of difference for a lot of these users they just you know if the ui is too much if they have to click through too many screens they just like what the hell is going on and they'll just get frustrated and not because they don't want to transact not because there isn't a need not because there isn't a willingness to pay but because your ui and ux is shit right and they're very very comfortable just picking up a phone and they'll say yes 2000 ka dawai bhej do and that's it like it doesn't take them much longer right uh, of course you need to make make them jump through a few steps and upload a prescription all in our case not so much for other commerce uh, but some of this will happen on its own some of it can be hastened by better product design and uh, most important of all please provide something people want to pay for at the very start so the product and for the solution that you're offering here has to there has to be sort of a connect yeah the Girish, product uh, Girishai, you know i mean people say that this the behavior here right and again i want to come back to what do you think will be the tipping point right is it just about so you know like trust is an important piece in this market you know perhaps assistance right you know that we are used to physically going somewhere sort of building that assistance so do you see uh, you know something developing here that that you know drives that online transaction behavior into a product like a financial product which needs a lot of trust right and a lot of people have been used to quite a bit of scams happening in that in that area right uh, do you see uh, oh, in your opinion what will drive the adoption here so um 
uh, I'll take it in two two aspects of it. One is, of course, you know, for, when it comes to selling a financial product, and the entire servicing part of it, which follows, you know, post facto, uh, which is uh, equally important, uh, you know, if we have to have uh, the stickiness of the customer with us, uh, we tend to, you know, uh, focus more about, you know, how do we use technology and and you know. Uh, tech for for selling, but there's selling and support, um, which forms a big uh, aspect to it. And and the real challenge is, you know, as long as we keep, you know, circling around uh, the 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 creamier layer or the you know the the top the the uh, elites and the uh, affluents, it's not it's not a problem. The minute we get to this base, it's a problem of scale. More than anything, it's just yeah. a problem yeah. of sheer scale. Hmm. So. Uh, it, it, to to paraphrase it in 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 one line, the challenge that is thrown to me, at least as 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 an person involved in analytics, is how do you hyper personalize at scale, right? So it's it's a it's a mind-boggling you know um, uh, uh, challenge that is thrown to us, and that's uh, the the kind of work we are doing right now is exactly around you know we have different kinds of uh, uh, customers who have different. Um, uh, inhibitions, you know, and, and 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 especially when it comes to financial products, you are very right when you said that it's a question of trust. Am I am I entering the right thing? And it's not a question of you know whether they trust the the the, the provider. I mean, that's it's more about am I doing the right thing? If you're if you're you know you're ordering something which is just hundred bucks, it's okay. I mean, I mean, or fifty bucks, it's okay. It's not here. You're 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 making investments, you know, or you're or you're taking a loan, or you're or you're buying an insurance. It's it's a different ball game altogether, and you want to be sure you're getting it right. So when we also look at the problem, we're looking at. So so let's take an example of what Kushagra and uh, spoke of, which is um, you know how do you how do you do what it's what he did basically to help the folks at home is what we call a tele-assisted model. Right, so you have your you have a digital platform, but it's a tele-assisted digital platform, right? Not this tele-assisted today is a call center agent, is yeah. a tele-sales agent, yeah. right? Now that's that model is not going to scale when we are talking about the kind of numbers we are looking at. So it comes back to the question: How do we then use AI to bridge that gap? That's the only way we can multi-thread this whole problem, right? That's it's it can only scale when we have AI. And then we have, you know, the the. Uh, Sorry, this is a new problem. Sorry, Sorry to cut you off. Just one thing there. So I completely agree that this doesn't scale. Although um, your most uh, popular policy aggregator has eleven buildings in Gurgaon, where it's just full of call center people calling people to book policies. Um, the other thing that happens when people get to speak with somebody on the phone is that trust builds up. That I got to speak to somebody on the other side. Right. So, only reason why we continue to support it, even though it's expensive. That's right. So you know, and and it is let this is precisely the challenge that if the person at the other end knows that they're talking to a bot, then the trust is lost, right? So that's the tipping point. You know, that's the tipping point of of technology when we have an entity at the other end which can deliver the same kind of trust. You know, that a human being can. So. All the work that we're doing, Ritu, is not around the AI brain, but the AI heart. That's the way we're looking at it. So right now we're trying to figure out: can my can my AI uh, entity deliver experience? So we are focusing right now. On, do you even understand what good experience is? 
right? So we are starting with that. Before I put an AI entity in front of my customer, I first need to understand if you've reached a tipping point where my AI knows what is good experience versus bad experience. So that's where we are right now on our journey. And um, in parallel, yes, this it's. I mean, we have Anirudh to to, to uh, take us through what we've, we've seen with uh, what Google has done, right? Which is very very convincing, uh, you know, uh, uh, voice tech, uh, technology, which uh, you know takes us away from the you know what we call the railway platform, you know, <laughs> kind of uh, tonality to a really conversational, uh, you know, um, experience. So if we have the if we have the front ending capability the way google has showcased which is you know a really proper conversational uh, uh, ai entity but with the heart to understand what to say and what not to say how do we deal with this customer right uh, should we you know and that's where all the questions of vernacular and so on comes comes up should we should the bot also speak in 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 a particular dialect in a particular manner in a particular uh, you know speed because we are dealing with somebody who's older, maybe you know a, a, a bot right. will speak faster. All those aspects start coming in. So till it learns that, you know, we don't want to put this in front of the customer. But that's that's a tipping point where we are trying to, you know, the, so that's the, the holy grail. Yeah, yeah right. the AI with the brain and the heart. You know, we are right. getting the brain and the heart. But in the meantime, we might have to do with real people like Manoj with the brain and the heart, essentially, <laughs> to make that piece happen. Maybe we come to some kind of, uh, you know, mix of the two. That's more it's, it's it's around the corner. It's right. It's right around the corner. It's not as far as we thought it would be. I'll, I'll let Anirudh ask that answer that <laughs> question. But before I go there, Kushagra, any thoughts for you from your perspective? Right. I mean, how do we move from these low level of transactions? to much higher. You know, yesterday, Anurudh, uh, when we chatted, right, Anurudh, I thought you made a point which said, you know, we built these technologies, everybody is come, but we're not ready to deliver to them at any level through these technologies, right? Neither the products, the services, or the tech that will enable all of that to kind of happen is not there. We've just built the ability for people to connect at this point of time. So, Kushaka, do you, do you feel that from what, what the things that you see around you that, uh, you know, and I, I'm not even talking about the holy grail of everybody transacting digitally and or any such thing. But just let's say we were to multiply that number, you know, uh, tenfold. Yeah, right. Which is still tiny compared to the scale, right? That we are we are talking about here. Do you see something that would that would be a game changer here? So, uh, there are multiple things that have to happen uh, in parallel. Uh, one, of course, the Business needs have to, uh, you know, the offerings have to be tweaked for that right. user base. Yeah. So, so that's there, right? So, but since we focus on a very specific component of the enablement, which is the digital enablement part, I'll probably speak purely from yeah, that perspective. Sure. Uh, so, uh, as, as so one thing, of course, uh, we need to productize things, right? Like, of course, they cannot be manual people uh, doing uh, handholding everyone. Uh, you know, so that's really not possible, right? Uh, so that that productization has to happen, and and uh, also Anirudh mentioned uh, about uh, something that I can switch on, switch off. Uh, you know, that that needs that that sort of fluidity needs to be there, right? Uh, it cannot be one static thing that has been designed, and everybody has to use the same thing, right? Uh, uh, there are few things which, especially when it comes to this user segment, right? Uh, one primary thing I think I want to highlight uh, very strongly here is uh, when we talk about this entire problem, at least when it comes to digital part, right? It's a pure human computer interaction problem, right? 
you have a human you have a computer you want them to interact right and you want to with them to interact well right, in a desired way how you want right um, and when that happens right uh, we need to look at a very so i have this framework that we used internally uh, which is uh, there is an axis on one side there is uh, intent on the other side there is cognitive load uh, what how much cognitive load the user would have to do something right so let's say this and this is cognitive load right the cognitive so the cognitive load has to reduce here and the intent has to increase uh, if if let's say this 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 intersection happens right that's where actually things start to happen right for instance i'll give you uh, for example a business app right the example of a business application which a business has to use regularly right uh, there you would see higher rates of adoption because the intent is high even if cognitive load is not that low the intent makes up for that right uh but let's say when it comes to consumer applications where intent is not that high right? consumers where if they can just decide no i am not liking this i am going to use something else right that's where intent is not that high right that's especially where the cognitive load piece has to to come down significantly low so that that overlap happens and then actually some something results out of that right and uh, hence uh, we look at it from a cognitive load perspective what can we do to solve human computer interaction in order to reduce and minimize the cognitive load of a user cognitive load essentially means the mental load how much you are thinking before doing that right so think about whenever you are doing some interaction you have to think uh, uh, user is actually subconsciously making a decision is this the right button should i click here if i i'll do that what would happen next right? so there are micro decisions that keep happening while you are interacting right so uh, one important part vernacular that we already discussed about uh, i think another part which you uh, know girish also highlighted uh, which was audio uh, audio is something that i think very, very underrated uh, because audio is such a great enabler uh, i think somebody in the panelist mentioned if we go outside in a country somebody speaks hindi we just suddenly feel very comfortable right yacha with apne desh right uh, and the same thing happens with this right because if you look at this pyramid of this part of the pyramid of this user base right their primary way of information consumption the primary the mode of information information consumption is audio visual that's why you see the growth of audio visual content so dramatically that has happened in that segment right uh, and uh, one very key component of that is audio because it just solves the comfort and comprehension problems like amazingly well right and that's where if the quality in, improves like google has been able to improve the text to speech capability significantly and make it more you know, uh, you know more human sounding that adds to a lot right but then just the purely functional uh, aspect of the uh, voice the audio not just a voice as an input but in voice as an output it it can solve comprehension issues significantly that's one of the core thing that we used internally in genie to power and to solve for comprehensions of interfaces uh, there right and second part is as i mentioned that we need an assistive experience uh, of the digital world a humanized assistive experience for 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 people right to to break the, those barriers to become comfortable and to reduce that cognitive load uh, and let's say uh, when i'm using gps right uh, now with gps in my pocket i don't have to think twice before going anywhere in the country because i know i can just put a destination and at every step i would know what i need to do right and suddenly if my battery dies off <laughs> i am like okay now i am i don't know what i i, I should do now right so uh, the, the kind of dependency and comfort we have with gps i think it's possible to do with 
no other uh, in-app navigations also like we have been able to solve physical navigation through that right and that's something that we think can be that a great enabler which can you know drastically accelerate so more voice in some sense to reduce the cognitive load right yep. and maybe that addresses the trust factor also right, right? When, but when we say voice uh, that's why i want to highlight this like when we say voice we generally mean voice as an input right but as voice as an output right because right. i think girish is also talking about ai with a heart but it's the output piece it's, it's the not output. just Absolutely. the input that's, right that's and right. we've we've talked about saying okay maybe i have difficulty typing in kannada right that's not the challenge piece here we're talking about we're talking about talking to somebody on the other side right or at least having some kind of voice input here on the other side i don't know i think you have the last word here uh, we're sort of a little short on time here but um, yeah. you know the ai with the heart talking to everybody when's that coming yeah uh, i think let me let me try to give my own personal framework to this like i i think like three fundamental things have to come together like for this to work uh, you know at the scale that we want it to work right the the first thing is uh, you know around the pure economics of it like uh, there has been a lot of research where uh, you know people peg the inflection point of gdp per capita to be at $4000 and after which like all sorts of things happen uh, in the digital economy uh, this is something that happened in china 10 years back so they crossed they breached like the $4000 gdp per capita mark uh, in the two, in 2010 and uh, and the good thing that happened is like it happened before internet took off so you pretty much had a base that was Uh, willing to transact online uh, while the product and the ecosystem was being built uh, in india's case actually that that seems to have reversed so we have gotten the digital connectivity earlier uh, but the economic prosperity at this inflection point is basically lagging so whatever time it takes for us to basically get there that's a macro trend uh, you know that will basically influence in very many ways like all sorts of business models that could be supported I think the second tipping point is the technology inflection point. Uh, so I'll I'll again like start with some data, uh, you know, especially with regards to voice, right? So if you look at uh, you know voice uh, uh, recognition uh, as as basically like one technology capability, and if you look at uh, you know English uh, with the US locale. uh uh just last year uh we reached the inflection point there where the voice recognition capability in en us has has basically become better than human recognition and i just want to also share that we are almost very near to that inflection point for english in india and we are not that far from that uh, when it comes to hindi but we are definitely far from that uh, you know when it comes to other indic languages uh, which is you know things like bengali marathi tamil telugu etc so so this is just and, like and one english and english how far are we from english we are building that up so okay. so this is uh, this is this is just like one data point to tell you that uh, you know this inflection point is also happening and it's happening on the recognition part but also the same thing is also happening on the voice synthesis part as well so google is investing a lot uh, you know in wavenet models which basically generate human sounding voice across languages and locales which take care of even dialects and this is also an inflection point that will that will achieve because each of these things have an exponential decay in the error rate as machine learning algorithms and uh, deep learning basically becomes really well and regenerative models basically become right so 
so i think this is also something which is expanding out really quickly so that can basically you know totally create very new kind of product experiences business experiences that we can't think of today and we have to basically hand comb a lot of these things like this is not a problem that individual companies need to solve this is a problem that big tech has to solve and uh, you know i think i think we'll get there uh, the third aspect is basically business model innovation i fundamentally think that across india 1 india 2 and india 3 one thing is common that all of these users are aspirational so if we can basically build things that allow them to leapfrog which means that you know we convert our products into sachets that they can buy test try uh, in addition to buying the entire experience over a period of time that might also lead this change from the third angle and uh, then you can basically retrofit the technology and you can retrofit uh, you know things around the economic growth and all of these things combined to basically give what china has already experienced uh, you know in terms of the scale that we are looking to see uh, and i think the good thing is that all of these three things are coming together simultaneously with with vcs like yourself like you are funding the business model side innovation even though you understand that a lot of the econo- economics and the technology is basically lagging right now will take some time to basically get there while we can lead with you know uh, simple things that work in the short term right and and some adaptations that basically make sense uh, but i think like uh, i'm really excited like how these three things will basically come together and a lot of the startup community has to lead with the last piece uh, and i think that will pretty much give the model fantastic i think that was a that was a great uh, you know three levers here right that coming together and you know driving a big foot of change here i'm just cognizant of time here and i want to take a quick question here right and um, just give me a second so i think there's a question here on sort of and i think anirudh this is probably targeted towards you uh and that is you know learnings from uh, europe and we talked a little bit about this right so what's what are learnings from europe that from a google perspective that you see are applicable given that europe is also fairly diverse and linguistically at least right are there are there any learnings from there that are translatable into the indian context yeah so so i'll start with maybe the framing i think there is a contrast framing here that is important to understand europe versus india so the framing is something like this that in all of europe you have about 400 million internet users uh, and there are about 8 to 10 different languages which are popular in conjunction with english similarly in india you basically have about 500 million internet users uh, english is basically one connector and then you have like other eight odd indic languages which are basically popular so from a scale and language diversity perspective it seems like they are comparable but i think like fundamentally what's different is that uh, in europe like a lot of the internet adoption was not a step change like it happened in india so basically there was not a leapfrogging uh, moment of directly jumping to mobile internet or directly basically getting access to all of these apps and websites in a very short period of time it followed the more traditional basically model of like you know wired internet and wifi at home desktop moving to mobile uh, and also the comfort uh, uh, around basically consuming digital products uh, uh, and especially like textual content with a very well developed ecosystem of content production and monetization 
was something that already existed in Europe because of the higher GDP per capita and all the established business models around advertising and conversion-led business models already working at scale with reasonable profitability. So, so I think that the, the learning that we have from Europe is that uh, as Google, like if we have solved the, the language diversity problem in Europe, as far as like uh, input is concerned, and also to some extent, like output is concerned, like with, with textual content, even like video and audio content, we are pretty much equipped to solve that uh, in India. The difference really is that the macroeconomics uh, is different. Uh, and also uh, the digital maturity of users is different as well as our app and web ecosystem is not evolved. So traditional model of like searching on the web, getting you to the destination doesn't really work because the content ecosystem is not really well developed, uh, you know, for Hindi and a lot of other Indic languages. In fact, it's order or two orders of magnitude worse off than English. Uh, and so, so that part cannot translate, but I think what can definitely translate is is being able to solve for uh, you know multiple languages at the same time and giving users control uh, you know in terms of in terms of this experience i think the second thing which is slightly different as well uh, is is this thing that was highlighted earlier indians are more likely to to have code mixed language so what that means is english is one example but there are other code mixings that happen you mix Telugu into uh, into English and and all of that. Uh, that is slightly less uh, uh, you know prevalent in Europe, where you have higher formal literacy. So your framing and construction of you know uh, of of input is basically uh, you know a much more structured and much more guided. So I think that's sort of like the difference. But we can definitely learn. Okay. Uh, if if I may, I just wanted to add a point there. Uh, another difference and with connecting India, China, and Europe, and that is that in uh, let's take a country like a china right there is a linguistic homogeneity there uh, and there's not a class divide india has a very peculiar situation actually because of our uh, imperial past that there is a class divide which is correlating with the language divide okay so the elites speak english the lower of the pyramid speak uh, local languages now the adoption of digital doesn't happen in silos alone right it happens in groups what are the people around you doing right, right? So if you happen to fall into the segment, which is not elite, uh, your curve is going to be different. And this is unique to India. It doesn't happen in, it's different from China versus uh, like European countries, right? You are in France, even whatever class you are in, you have that linguistic infrastructure, even in technology existing all over the internet, right? That linguistic infrastructure doesn't exist even in science in India. You have to study science in higher education. You have to study in English, right? That's a, the truth that we need. So either we, as people who belong to the elite, uh, that first 10% of the population, who are building things for the next set of users, either we understand these people and try to solve for them, or somebody from their own population, they will come jump, jump and then they'll understand that. So they'll this jump. gap has to be solved. The gap has to be fixed here. Thanks, Sanjay. I have one last question here, and uh, Manoj, I'm going to ask you this question. I think it's kind of, do you see a COVID as a driver here uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, and healthcare obviously being something at the forefront of people's minds. You see uh, something like this actually driving changes faster. Yeah, I mean, changes have already happened. Mm -hmm. I think not about changes, changes happening faster. So um, like within healthcare, I can tell you, uh, telemedicine was always in the gray area. There was no regulation around it. Um, now the government has come out with telemedicine practice guidelines, which has essentially made digital consultations in all shapes, sizes, and forms completely legal. 
right? Hospitals and doctors are now on board. Doctors are very, very applying it, right? Uh, we've uh, focused, similar things are going to happen in e-pharmacy, right? If you look at EdTech, uh, it's just absolutely- So, Manoj, I'm going to stop you one second. I, I, I think maybe I should frame my question a little more. Uh, do you think that the digital adoption, you know, you said that uh, a lot of the people from the next building are not willing to pay for services here, ah. right? So I think there is obviously a change that's happening in urban India, you know, to all of us lockdown and how we kind of approach it, right? But this segment that you said that, you know, is not quite ready to pay for services, uh, you know, do you see something like COVID driving that segment towards adoption? Or is that still a far away? Is the is the other challenges still too large? Yeah. So uh, I think it will headline. Yes, it will make a world of uh, products need to be in place to actually enable that. And uh, so, like Anirudh said, if we just use this framework, the economics, you know, that can't change overnight. Right. The ability is what it's right. products. They need to change and adopt rapidly. Uh, and as far as the consumer is concerned, so business models. I think the, the, those will adapt, but the willingness of consumers to come online and pay will forever and ever be different. And if you are... So this is not a defining moment where your online walas have now suddenly become the trusted whatever, or, you know, it's, it's not that transition here, or not even the emergence of that transition here, I, the other factors are still barriers. I think it is, as long as you're there to service the need properly, properly. Right. you properly. have... Uh, okay. All right. Okay. We're past time, but thank you. I want to take the time to thank everybody for joining us. I think it's been a super exciting discussion. I think we've heard about different segments here and, you know, we have all known it's complex, right? But the, just saying it's complex is not helpful if we don't get down to the details of how do you actually uh, work through the complexity to come up with segments that you can target, you know, behavioral segments, whether it's socioeconomic, linguistic, uh, you know, or uh, geographic here, right? I think one of the other things that I think we've clearly heard of here is that, look, the design of what products and services that you are, you know, has to move up here, right? Taking a lot of things that are granted because they're coming from the first billion into the next billion is not the way that things are going to evolve. You have to, there's no getting away from actually spending time and understanding what is it that customers here want as services, what is it customers want as products. And then in parallel on the enablement, just again taking what has worked in the first billion and saying this is going to work in the next billion without actually understanding the consumer interaction with the phone here uh, in, a, in a deeper sense, removing cognitive load, increasing trust, uh, you know, these are all factors that we have to start thinking about and building into it if we're going to sort of see the change happen, right? On a positive note, I think Anirudh pointed to all three things here that, you know, hopefully come together sooner rather than later, where, you know, the, the, the macroeconomics, the technology, which seems to be, you know, just chugging along, right, fine here, and of course, the business models. And we've always been good at business models, even the physical business models. I think the sachet originated here, right? So sacheization of this is not serious, is a problem, right? I think digital today gives us the ability to be able to reach small customers, small producers across India. Uh, but I think 
Skirish, going back to something that you said, from an input perspective, maybe we have dropped costs, but from a servicing perspective, we still aren't quite there because uh, you know, we're still relying on that human trust building, the human touch, the human understanding to still be people, highly paid people, let's put it this way, to bring down the sachetization of, of, of the products and services that we sort of need. So I think there are a lot of insights here. Thank you guys very much. Really, really enjoyed having a chat.